You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I am not bad, Nick. I like it. Beautiful Friday and we get to talk about the stock market. Yeah, everybody's favorite topic lately, inflation yeah. and the stock market. And we should run around like our hair's on fire. Right. It's funny how much more important uh, the stock market is when it's not doing well as it when it's right? doing well, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we've talked off and on for the two years we've, or a year and a half we've been doing this now about some behavioral finance things. And like one of the key things of behavioral finance is that losses always hurt more than gains feel good, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and in, in, in this business, you're kind of darned if you do and darned if you don't. When the market's going up, that's what it should be doing. And everybody's just kind of like, well, yeah, that's, that's what we expect. And when the market's going down, it's like, hey, what's going on here? Right. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> occupational hazard. Indeed it is. So um, kind of in response to this, we're going to talk a little bit today about a couple of stock market charts that we like to pull out to kind of put things into perspective. You want to explain those for us, Dave? We we ran this as a a blog article a couple of days ago, so it's on our website. But uh, essentially, we've got two charts that, that we kind of feel are the two most important charts out there. There's a lot of good ones, but I, I think the, these two summarize things pretty well. And, you know, kind of the, the premise is you're going to see, if you turn on any of the financial pornography shows right now on CNBC or Fox News or any of the, any of the, any of the cable news networks, you're going to see folks that sound really smart making a lot of predictions and, and prognosticating about what you should do with your money right now. And they'll have charts and data and lots of things to make themselves look smart. And it's not that they're, I mean, some of them are going to be right. Some of them are going to be right, but they also yeah. contradict each other. So they can't all be right. <laughs> and, and they all sound logical and they all sound smart. So a long way of saying, you know, in times like this, you need to step back and look at the bigger picture. And that's what these two charts kind of do. I totally agree. One of my favorite things from um, an old wholesaler, he was talking about his company. I can't remember what company it was, but his big thing was from his boss. If you make enough predictions, eventually one of them will be right. <laughs> right. So just make a bunch of them. Make a nobody bunch. cares when you're wrong, but yeah. when you're right, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Nate Silver talks about that in his uh, really good book on this stuff called The Signal and the Noise that, you know, there's no accountability. So, right. you know, it, you don't, nobody, nobody gets any uh, headlines from making a meek and mild prediction make the bold ones. And if you're wrong, people will forget in a few days anyway. So anyway, down to business, right? So the, the, the first chart and, and, and these are visual, but I think we can explain them well enough for a podcast where we wouldn't be trying. First one is essentially charts going back to 1980 annual returns for the stock market, along with what the biggest drawdown during that year was. And that's really interesting because when, when things are going negative like they have been for the last several months, we tend to, we tend to feel like it's, it's, it's a new thing and a rare thing. And especially when things have been good for the last three or four years, right? So, you know, that it's important to look at this chart and remember that on average, every year, 
since 1980, there has been a 13.5% drawdown during that year at some point on average. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, looking at this chart, it's just a reminder that every single year since 1980, there is a drawdown, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them larger than others, but every single year there is a drawdown. And I, and I yeah. think we kind of forget when we're in the midst of it that this is normal. This is part yeah. of the course. Yeah. So so since 1980, the average drawdown has been 13.5% negative. But the average return over that time has been positive 9%. So if you'd looked at just an average year, you end up plus nine, but the variability during that year means you would have been down 13% at some point during that year. Right. That, and that's, that really surprised me actually when, when I looked at the chart and this gets updated every, every year, right? But you know that seems more extreme than what my memory would suggest, yeah. but you know, we can pull a couple example years out of here, you know, kind of mundane years. Let's look at, uh, you know, in the late 1990s, looks like 1999, this market was down 12% at one point during the year, but it finished with a positive 20% return in, uh, oh, let's to pick, pick a more recent one here. Well, this like, look at last year positive 27%. But at one point last spring, we were down 5%. And, you know, 2020 is another one, you know, obviously yeah, at a, the height of the COVID, we were down 34% end of the year, positive 16. So what does all this mean really? And we, and we've talked about this in general terms before, but that, that ability to stomach those lousy times is, is the price you pay to get those returns that, are better than anything else out there. You know, right. You don't, there's, there's no, there's no free lunch. You can't, you can't expect to make more than what you would make in savings accounts and treasury bonds without taking some sort of risk. And that risk is that in the short term, your values are going to fluctuate. The, the, the cost of doing business is the volatility, the fluctuation, like right. you said, Dave. And, and I think, it goes to the planning aspect of it, of having a strong plan, knowing what you have and what purpose it is so that you can stick with your investments for the long term and, and, you know, and kind of positioning them that way. So it makes it easier to a not need money or b panic because you know, you're on solid footing. It's interesting because I hadn't really thought about this aspect of this chart until just now, as you were saying that, but it also makes another argument that we make all the the time that you just touched on. If you look at this chart and you see that kind of variability, you absolutely do not want money that you're going to spend in the next 12 to 24 months to be moving around like that, right? right. And that's yeah. how you need an emergency fund. <laughs> so you look at this chart and you see the, the, the positive aspect of it is that volatility is the price of admission, but it also shows you that that variability in the short run is going to be all over the map. And if I'm paying for you know, a new roof this fall, I don't want to have to worry about is that going to be while the market's down 13% or is it going to be when it's plus 9%? Right. Absolutely. Especially, you know, with the price of roofs going up 10, 15% with inflation, that's a double whammy, right? (laughs) So, so that, that's the first, the first chart that we, uh, that we like to like to emphasize in these kind of situations. And just to kind of put closure on that, as we were printing this chart, the market for the year was down 
13 and a half to 14%, pretty much right on where that average was. So um, I thought that was interesting too. If you look at the bar for 2021 so far, the red dot showing the drawdown and the bottom of the return are the exact same point. So I love how this chart and the volatility conversation really dovetails into chart number two that we have mm-hmm. up here, which is essentially U.S. stock market return since the Great Depression. Yeah, taking an even bigger picture view, looking back to the 19, 1928. This chart starts in 1928, which is before the crash. So it's not like we're cherry picking and saying, what if we charted from the day after you know, let's let's use November 1929 instead of uh, you know the fall of 2028. The thing that this chart shows is the mountain chart progression of the markets over that long-term time frame, and then punctuating this chart are just a smattering of the hand of the things that we had to worry about over those times mm-hmm. world war ii in the 1940s the vietnam war the cuban missile crisis 1970s stagflation black monday then of course on the positive side the bull market of the 1990s but then the tech crash in early 2000s the housing crisis financial crisis covid it's all on there and and the point of that is And I used to, I I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. I used to play that game with some of my clients, older clients who would come in and tell me how horrible everything was now. And it'd be like, when, you know, you were born in the Great Depression and came of age in World War, you know, it was this golden Valhalla time when we didn't have anything to worry about and everything was beautiful. Right. And, (laughs) and, and And it turns out, you know, there never was that perfect time. It might've been like, like, I think at one point I joked with, with somebody that was like, the fall of 1954, maybe, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we, we found that one, that one golden time, the Korean war was winding down and we didn't know what we were going to worry about next. So, you know, here it right. is. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure there was something if we dug deep enough and oh, yeah. yet, yet the market marches on and I'm always misquoting and chopping these things up. I think it was Andrew Carnegie who said, you know, at no point, is it ever a good idea to bet against the American economy? Hmm. And if that wasn't good, another one we need to look up afterwards, I go spouting these things <laughs> off. But, you know, the concept, the concept is right there on this chart. You know, we had all these things to worry about all along, you know, and there's the other old cliche that as long as uh, equipment keeps wearing out and people keep having babies, the economy is going to grow and the market's going to grow with it. And here you go. Yeah. And you know, it, what's interesting about this chart to me is when you look at it as a whole, I think everybody, you know, would be like, oh, well, obviously I would invest into the S&P 500 and not worry about it because look at, you know, this mm-hmm. long-term return. But what's interesting is mm-hmm. if you zoom in on some of these things, we forget like how drastic they were in terms of the feelings mm-hmm. that people got similar to kind of today. In terms right. of, you know, it looks like you know, obviously we're going from point A to point B, and that's a really nice trajectory. But along yeah. the way, there's definitely some things in there that caused a lot of panic, a lot of people to worry, and a lot of people to change their investment scheme or, or get out of the market because of what was going on. Yeah. If you look, if you just look at this chart, what you see is, you know, our high in December versus the drop to today, does it barely registers on this chart. 
as yeah. a as a <laughs> negative, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a little little tiny zigzag in the line. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you were just to if we were just to put the chart up of the last six months, it's not very pretty. And yeah. yeah, to your point, these things all roll together. Of course, you know that tells you have an emergency fund, know your time frame. You know, if you're going to invest in the S and P 500 for the long term, this is a great time frame to look at. Look at the long term. Think about it in lifetimes and not in months. Um, try to think about it at least in decades. So interestingly enough, when I was looking at this, preparing for the show earlier today, the one thing that stuck out to me right in the middle of this chart is, you know, we have all these things like the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Vietnam War, and then it's just Reagan from 1981. So I actually, you know, I was I was born during that time frame. So I had to look it up and do a little bit of research of why uh, President Reagan was the one president that went in there. And oddly enough, it kind of dovetails into a little bit of what's going on right now. And that is, you know, that the beginning of his administration was uh, the Fed chairman, Paul Volcker's war on inflation uh, when he started his term. And then interestingly enough, like the returns that he had in his first two terms were positive 30%, positive 67%, even though it started out pretty miserable. Right. Yeah. In the, in the early eighties, inflation was high and, and yeah, Paul Volcker had to crank interest rates up very, very fast, and very, very high to bring it under control. And Paul Volcker, who I, I'm surprised we haven't seen any commentary for him because he's usually, he's, he's, he's been around a while. He was yeah. still commenting. I, 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 he was still commenting not too long ago on such things that today's inflation probably wouldn't even register on his seismograph of inflation. You know, <laughs> right. the in the 70s. And, uh, and, and, there, and there was a long period of time in the late 70s when the Fed didn't have the same tools, it didn't have the same mandate. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to dive too far down the political rabbit hole, but essentially that was when they essentially told the Federal Reserve, your mandate is to get inflation under control first and then employment, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's also interesting too. I mean, that, that they just label it as Reagan and don't like try to explain (laughs) that because I know, you know, from talking with individuals, uh, you know, uh, and family members who struggled in that time because of the economic policies Mm -hmm. and it ended up being okay stock market investors, but, you know, gosh, if you were a construction worker or, you know, something in, in, in those type of trades or all, you know, that was when the UAW upheaval was going on and there was all kinds of interesting stuff going on. So yeah, that is interesting. I didn't think we were going to dive down that rabbit hole this morning, or I would have, uh, you've gotten out my stock market almanac and done a little research, but, uh, <laughs> my memory here. Yeah, yeah just thinking, yeah. It, to, Nick, to your point, there was plenty to worry. Like nobody in 1981 would have foreseen that the rest of the 80s were going to have very positive stock market returns. But they, but you take that. I mean, that's a standout period on this chart of of climb, mm-hmm. and uh, up, until, up until Black Monday in 1989, which kind of reset. 
Another use for this chart is in, in a lot of, you know, it's interesting talking about psychology of money and things along those lines, but a lot of people's experience with investing or experience with the market is kind of where they grew up, where they came of age, right? So we mm-hmm. have all of these yeah. millennials that are coming into the workforce, starting their 401ks, and all they know about the market is in 2008 was terrible and everybody was really worried about yeah. it. That's their their sole yeah. perspective on the market. So yeah. that's why I love yeah. this chart because that's not the only thing that happened. <laughs> you know, That's not the only history of the market. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of bad, terrible things that happened that I'm sure people have read in history books or lived through and the market, mm-hmm. you know, just keeps doing its thing over the long term. And so um, um, great advice to people that are younger starting 401ks, things like that is, you know, 2008 is yeah. not the only thing that happened in the market. And it, it has bounced <laughs> yeah. back very nicely since 2008. Um, so just right. another interesting right. perspective for people. I'm glad you uh, glad you brought that up. Well, we'll have uh, a link. Uh, well, it's on our blog, and we'll have a link in the show notes for the podcast to the blog where these charts live. But uh, take a look at them um, and uh, keep them keep them handy because this won't be the only uh, the only time you'll you'll feel like the markets are never going to be good again. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to jump in there and, and bust them out whenever you're feeling bad about where the market's at or what's going on with your money um, to keep the bigger picture in mind. Um, these are great tools for that. And would love to also hear from our listeners if you have a story about you know growing up and in, in your experience with the stock market and kind of how that's affected you. We would love for you to email us that at info at srbadvisors.com. Well, Dave, always a pleasure talking about the markets with you. I appreciate it. Until next time, my friend. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.